Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. Amen. Uh, We're going through this series, looking at these different songs, these hymns of hope that people sing. And this is the Magnificat, when Mary hears the news from Gabriel and she travels to talk to her cousin, who is also pregnant with um, John the Baptist. Uh, And then she is moved in the spirit to sing this song. Uh, the song of praise. And when we look at this, it, it might surprise you that this hymn has actually been outlawed uh, several times in world history. So it was outlawed in India when it was under British rule. It was outlawed in Guatemala and outlawed in Argentina at different times. And can anyone understand why it might have been outlawed by a government? Well, if you look at the hymn, you look and you see that actually in this hymn, it sounds very nice, very peaceful, but in the middle of this hymn is fighting words. It's a hymn of rebellion. It's a hymn of victory in the face of tyrants, because look what it says in verse 51. Mary proclaims, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. So in the middle of this is this kind of rebellious, uh, ominous saying that those who are on their thrones are going to be cast down and toppled. Well, those are fighting words. And so this is why uh, sometimes this song has been used in kind of a rebellious way. And those, those rulers who were tyrants, possibly, the people under them said, you know what we're going to sing? We're going to sing the Magnificat. Just to remind you of your place. To remind you of the God who throws down those who are arrogant. Those who are proud. And so they would sing this hymn. But when we look at this, I think... That little bit of history helps us to understand the significance of this hymn. Because this song is telling us of God's mighty deeds. Sometimes we can kind of start to imagine that Christianity is all about being nice. It's all about not ruffling any feathers. Uh, And and it's all about just kind of getting along and, and, and ironing out the rough edges. But really, Christianity is about God's hostile takeover of this earth. It's about God coming and claiming what rightfully belongs to Him. It's about Him dealing with evil once and for all so that He might live with His creation in peace. And so at the heart of Christianity is a fight. 
It's a battle between good and evil, and there can be no peace. Uh, The Bible tells us that God hates sin. He hates it because it destroys his creation. He hates it like a doctor who hates cancer. There can be no peace until sin and evil and Satan are dealt with, and he alone is exalted as the Most High God. And so when we look at this, we see this interesting effect. Let's take a look at the text. First, first thing I would, want you to notice about this is who he's talking to or who is singing this. Because Mary is singing this, and in the midst of uncertainty for her, she's singing this great song of victory to God. And so we see here, Mary is really of no particular importance Right? She's, a, she's a young teenage girl. She's in the middle of an occupied area. Right? Rome has taken over. And she's just kind of a second-class citizen. There's no reason that God would come to her. I mean, think about it. Doesn't Herod have a, a suitable woman in his, somewhere in his family? I mean, Herod's the king. Couldn't God have chosen someone who is more powerful? Or think about all of the religious leaders. Isn't there someone among the religious leaders, the, the religious ruling class in Israel that God could have picked? Someone more worthy. But God chooses a virgin, teenager, to be the portal in which he would come into this world. And so Mary exalts God because of this. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of great risk at her person, right, embarrassment for her family, uncertain future, instead of hiding and weeping and wailing, what is she doing? She's lifting up her voice. She says, I magnify the Lord with my whole soul. I rejoice in my spirit because of God my Savior, for he has looked at the humble estate of his servant, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. And isn't true that every generation since then has called Mary blessed. She is blessed. She is the one who God chose to bring the presence of Jesus into this world. She is blessed forever and ever because of this. And so she sings out, and it gives us a hint of what is to come. God often chooses the foolish things of this world, doesn't he? To shame the wise. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians That God doesn't choose the powerful and the rich and the mighty and the spectacular. He chooses the humble. He chooses the weak, the poor, the downtrodden. That's who he reveals himself to. And so the first thing we can think of for our own lives is, hey, that's a good thing for me, isn't it? I mean, we're not spectacular. We're not powerful. We might not even think we're significant, And God says, you're a perfect candidate for my presence. Because that's where God shows up in this world. He shows up in the broken, in the wounded. He shows up to the weak and the humble. And so just like Mary, we can notice that God takes notice of us and we can magnify him because of this. But let's look at the rest of what she says. If we look in verse 51... It says she's, she's praising God, and the reason she's praising God is not only has he come to her, but she's going to praise God for the mighty deeds that he has done. 
And so this is really has a lot of refrain in the Old Testament. And she says this, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Now when we look at this, we see all of these hints of the Old Testament coming through in Mary's song. And, and the, the message to us should not be lost, that she is saying that in this moment, those prophecies are being fulfilled. Uh, in fact, it says, we just read it in the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, that God will return to Zion. He will bear his mighty arm to bring good news to his people. It also uh, reminds us and rhymes with something that happened in the Old Testament. So if you were to look back in the book of Exodus, and you were to remember what God did to tear his people out of the tyranny of Egypt, you might remember uh, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was having the young males, the, the little baby boys, be put to death uh, by his own, their own people. Uh, so that they would not threaten him. So there was a, a terrible tyrant. And God had borne his mighty arm at that time too. He did it with the plagues. And he, he raised up Moses to go and rescue those people. And he brought the people out. And at the, there was a showdown at the, the Red Sea. Where God brought his people safely through the water on dry ground. But of course he lured all of the enemies of God's people into a watery grave. And after that happened, after they saw the mighty hand of God revealed, Miriam, Moses' little sister, she sings a song, a similar song to what Mary is singing here. She sings this. She says, Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. Do you hear that echo? So what Mary is saying is with the arrival of Jesus, with the news, the good news published by the angel Gabriel that she would bear the Son of God, right, that the, now there is victory to be sung. But what's interesting here is Miriam, she got to see the victory, didn't she? She got to see uh, God's mighty arm. She got to see the great miracle at the Red Sea and all the plagues. She got to see his might and his power. Mary here does not. She doesn't. She takes it by faith. She said, God has come into my womb to be born into this world. And because of this, she begins to exalt, even though he hasn't done anything yet. But here's, I think, what's going on. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll take an example from history to understand it. Uh, some of you will recognize the date, uh, June 6th, 1944. Uh, this was D-Day, we know it as. But it was the day that the Allied forces took the beaches at Normandy. And it was the turning point in the war, especially in, in Europe, in the Western, uh, the Western theater. But the Allied forces came with this overwhelming force... And they parked themselves on the beach and they said, we're here, we've arrived. And they, they stormed and they successfully infiltrated uh, into France so that they could begin to uh, take out the Nazi forces and liberate that continent. And at that moment, whether or not everyone understood the, the gravity of that, the war was over. 
what had happened is a superior force had landed and, and pretty much everything else was just going to play out. But that was the de- de- decisive turning point in the war because that superior force had taken position and everything else was just going to play out as it should. And this is the thing that we're looking at here. And when God comes down into the world, pretty much it's game over. You see, God sent Moses for the Old Testament people, for the people of Israel to rescue them. He sent other rescuers, judges, other prophets to go. But if God himself has come down, it's game over. That's the victory right there. It's over. It's like when you were playing, you know, sports as a kid. And like that kid who was five years older came and he started playing on one team. And you just knew, game's over. We should all just go home. That's what's happening. If God has come down into the world, then the people of God get to say, victory is ours. Now, those details maybe haven't played out. And certainly there's going to be a lot of work to do. Certainly there was still suffering that Mary went through. But she lifted up her voice in praise to God. She says, I know that since God is here, victory is mine. And so I'm going to magnify the Lord today. I'm going to sing his praises today because of what he will do when he comes in power. And of course, this did not look uh, like Mary expected. The mighty arm of God, this is what it looked like. An infant, a baby, right? This mighty arm of God was born not in violence, not in vengeance, not in judgment, but in mercy. Mighty arm of God came down as a little baby to be with the world, to be with people, to rescue those who are waiting for him, to rescue the people of Israel and all who would trust in his name. He came down Uh, took away all his power, all his might, and became vulnerable and killable so that even his enemies would become his friends. He came to conquer not with the sword, but with mercy. Uh, This is the mystery of Christmas that we are anticipating. There's been some really good um, words written about this mystery and one one uh, good author, his name is Augustine, St. Augustine, a uh, great uh, early church father. But he writes this, he says, Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast. That the bread of life might hunger. That the fountain might thirst. That the light would sleep. The way would be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness. The teacher would be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. This is the mighty outstretched arm of God. When it comes into the world. And of course, a lot of people will miss it. 
because they'll be looking for something spectacular. They'll be looking for something powerful and golden and beautiful. But here is the mighty outstretched arm of God coming to once and for all deal with evil, to deal with sin, to deal with the rebellion. And he did it not by cursing, but by becoming the curse, by taking it upon himself. Kingdoms will topple before him, but hearts right now bow before him because of his mercy and his faithfulness to us, his love for even those who hate him. We know that same arm was raised from the dead. That same arm was raised in power with scars, showing us that there is a way. If someone can be raised from the dead, truly that person is victorious. Christ was raised from the dead, and so we know this reality. Mary did not. Mary didn't know any of this. She didn't know how this was all going to play out. She didn't know the struggles that she would go to, but still, she lifted up this song to God, a victory song in the midst of what looked like a terrible defeat. Uh, 1 John chapter 5 gives us a good thought to help us apply this to our own lives. It says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except for the one who believes? This is why Mary could sing in victory. Because she believed the word. She believed the promise and she knew the one who had come. Whatever he is going to do is going to be victory for her. And so she praised him. She praised him that he would not allow evil to ruin this world. He would not allow the wicked tyrants to get away with it. That he would topple the wicked and exalt the humble. That he would feed the poor and send the rich away empty. She praised him because she knew who he was. A good and a just God coming to bring deliverance to us. Cannot we today sing the same song? We who know what God has done through Jesus Christ. We who know what the mighty arm of God revealed to the world looks like, can we not sing out to God in the midst of everything that is uncertain in our lives in this year? You know, many of us, we're we're struggling in different ways. We're struggling because we're in a sinful world. We're in a fallen world. We're struggling because of this virus. We're tired of making decisions about whether or not we're going to go to the event, whether or not we're going to wear a mask. We're tired of hearing that our friends are sick or that our loved ones have died. We're tired of the struggle and the stress. But can we not raise up this voice, raise up this song of victory? God has triumphed in Christ. He has invaded the world through a humble servant girl and he has borne his mighty arm so that we might live and his victory is our victory. Many of us, we're struggling. We've been cooped up for a long time. We've been isolated and we're struggling with our own sins. We feel like there's a tyrant living in our very bodies dictating what we do and what we don't do. We're tired of fighting that and failing And Satan accuses us, doesn't he? 
says you did it again. God's not going to welcome you back again. But don't we know now today that Christ's wounds, his scars, the cross was for me. That the guilt that could come upon me came upon Christ. That the blood that he shed covers my sins. And so the tyranny of Satan, the tyranny of guilt, the tyranny of fear of God has been resolved. And so can't we, in the middle of being in the struggle, can't we raise up a song of victory anyway? Christ has forgiven me all my sins, and so I'll praise the name of the God who bore his mighty arm for me. Can't we sing even in the face of death, even in the specter of death, the fear of death, in the shadow of death, can't we raise a voice to God praising him for his mighty deeds? Look what he's done. Look at the mighty arm of God outstretched to us. I can raise you from the dead, he says. And doesn't that mean that we can rejoice now in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of the tyrants of our lives and our world, can't we raise our voice and sing loudly as Mary did in faith? We have overcome the world because Christ has come to the world. Jesus became a person. He became a human. He became killable so that he might raise us from the dead and forgive our sins. And he has triumphed. This is the God who is coming near to us this Christmas. And so as we contemplate these things, get this refrain stuck in your head. Our our souls magnify the Lord. Our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. For he has borne his mighty arm for us. Yeah.